Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Animal Alliance Canada says that over the past five years, the number of animals that have been subject to forms of experiments have doubled, according to data from the Canadian Council of Animal Care. That's an independent agency that's overseeing the standards for ethical care and use of animals in science. Joining us to talk about this is Camille Labchuk, who is the Executive Director of Animal Justice uh, and always a welcome guest on this program. Camille, good to talk with you again. I wish it was under better circumstances, though. Oh, I know. I feel like we're always talking about sad things happening to animals, but it's good to be here, Bill. I'm sitting there with my two dogs over the weekend, and I go online, and I see this story, and I was I was physically ill just reading this. Uh, I thought there were laws against this. I mean, they're supposed to be, aren't there? Well, you know what? There's almost no laws in Canada, certainly not at the federal level, that look after animals used in labs. Um, you know, all that we've really got at the federal level is the Canadian Council on Animal Care, which is this nonprofit organization that's not a legal body, no law enforcement power, and um, it sort of does these lab inspections, but there's no actual regulatory system to enforce. So it's a, it's a very poor situation. Ontario does have some provincial laws, but my understanding is that there's one inspector for the entire province. Uh, this is, a, again, I, I don't want to get too vivid about these, but I mean, you know, the story I read here, they talked about uh, invasive surgeries, exposure to toxic chemicals, noxious substances, uh, deliberately inflicted burns and other traumas, oftentimes without using anesthesia. Uh, that's that's not experimentation. That's cruelty. I, I agree. I think that what um, Canadians don't really have much insight into is what's be happening behind the closed doors of labs, because like I said, there's barely any laws that cover animals in labs. There's barely any inspections. And it's not like um, you know, a compassionate person who cares about this could just walk into a lab and, and see what's happening there. They're very, very secretive places. So without any public oversight of what's going on, or very, very little public oversight, this leaves animals um, largely you know, to be tortured in the dark. I know that uh, obviously they've done some research on this, and, and uh, Pierre Bivero, who is the executive director for uh, one of these agencies, the CCA, that's Canada Council on Animal Care, uh, says the number of animals involved in non-invasive studies has also increased, so you have to balance this out. That includes things like feeding and nutritional trials. That's, that's one thing to test dog food uh, on an animal and say, you know, whether or not they like it or something. I get that. Nobody's got a problem with that. It's inflicting pain, and it's things that you would never think to do for a human because you go to jail for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, much of the stuff, it was if it was done to cats or dogs, it would be illegal. Or certainly if it was done to a cat or a dog outside the laboratory context, it would be illegal. But, um, you know, some researchers seem to have this attitude that anything goes, that their science is the most important thing. And, you know, I appreciate that there can be a difficult conversation when it comes to science that creates medical advances. That's something that society grapples with. Um, but so much of what is done is not designed to advance um, you know, serious human medical advances. So much of it is done for basic research, which is just trying to figure out how the world works. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed in this system because I think that we're better than that. You know, the, the rationale usually for testing on animals, experimenters always say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're different from us. You know, we, we, it's okay to test on them because they're different. But then the reason that they try to test on them is because they are like us in, this, in some way and they think they can learn lessons from them. So, you know, those, those two things are at odds. They they have you know they have opinion they they have feelings they have you know emotions it it bothers me when I hear this going on and and again I don't pretend to know all the science of this or actually why they're doing this uh, but I do know this much that from the reading I did as a result of, of this story that I saw over the weekend oftentimes they can do this in a non-invasive way I mean there are other ways to test products without using animals. 
Well, that's right. And what we're actually seeing now is some movement away from at least some animal testing being eliminated. So um, there was a bill last year in Parliament. It did not pass, unfortunately, the um, Cruelty-Free Cosmetics Act, which would have outlawed cosmetic mm-hmm. testing on animals. Um, so I hope that will be revived. It would be great if this Trudeau government decided to make that a centerpiece of what it's going to be doing in the future. Uh, it's a very simple thing to do. It had support from many sectors when it was previously proposed. But another really cool uh, Canadian-grown initiative is the Canadian Centre for Alternatives to Animal Methods, housed at the University of Windsor. So this is a laboratory set up by a scientist whose goal is to replace the use of animals in medical testing. So instead of, um, you know, torturing rabbits or injecting animals with toxins and seeing how long it takes them to die, they're developing scientific alternatives like lungs on a chip, other types of organs on a chip. Um, you know, actual physical models of human beings that reflect what we know about human bodies and don't try to just extrapolate something from animal bodies that may apply to human bodies. Um, A lot of people don't realize that 95% of uh, drugs that are validated in animals actually never end up working in humans. So that's a huge error rate. And scientists say not only is it cruel, but it also just makes more sense scientifically to test things on more human-based models. I know that one of the glitches here, and you and I have talked about this in the past, and I've had some discussions with folks at the uh, the SPCA about this too, and we've heard these horrific stories about people that are cruel to and cats and dogs or any other pet too. Is uh, as I understand it, and I'll just try to bottom line this. I mean, they they deal with animals as property, not as as living, breathing entities. Uh, so it's 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 not the same. In other words, yeah, it's bad to do that, but you know, you find even people that get convicted of this sort of you know horrific behavior usually just get a slap on the wrist well yeah you know and unfortunately labs uh, to my knowledge there has never been a lab prosecution in this country a successful one for um, an experimentation strategy that was cruel um, it's just simply considered this this law-free zone pretty much where anything that experimenters want to do is acceptable. So, you know, I think you're right to point out some of the legal deficiencies still there. Without a national regulatory regime and federal inspectors who can go into these labs and monitor the, the types of tests that are being done at random unannounced intervals, animals are just being left out in the dark. This voluntary um, sort of registration system, which we have right now, where there's inspections every three to five years with advance notice, simply isn't doing the trick. Well, uh, it's like everything else, if you want to get government to move, uh, it's public. It's public outcry that does this. I mean, you and I have been talking for years about uh, the the treatment of of some of the. Uh, well, I was going to say animals, really inmates, really of some of the uh, the marine parks around. And uh, finally, governments are starting to respond. But boy, it took an awful long time and a lot of loud voices. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I think that the uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease, and our laws reflect our attitudes. So when people start to care about an issue, and more importantly, when they start to speak up about an issue, that's when we start to see legal change. That's why we saw Canada actually move to ban uh, keeping whales and dolphins in captivity last year, is because people are just so opposed to this very, very demonstrably cruel practice now. But, Bill, what concerns me about animals in labs is this idea of out of sight, out of mind. It's very difficult for people to care or to become knowledgeable about what happens to animals in Canadian labs without being able to see what happens to them. There's just almost no transparency to the situation. So when you hear shocking numbers like this, and I have the report from the the Canadian Council on Animal Care in front of me, in in 2019 there were 4.56 million animals used in labs. I mean, that's 
we know a little bit more based on you know the breakdown of what species, but we, we never get to hear the individual stories of these animals. We never get to see pictures of what happens to them. And I think if people were able to access that information, they'd be outraged. What happens to these animals? I mean, they, they, where do they get them from and what happens to them? We, I mean, these are the stories we need to hear. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things happen to them, and, and they come from a lot of sources. I mean, a lot of animals are purpose-bred for this purpose. So, you know, mice who are brought into existence for the very reason of being tortured and, um, you know, mice who are brought into existence to develop cancer, that, that's the kind of, um, you know, ordeal that they're put through. And then in terms of what happens to them, I mean, the CCAC, which is this voluntary nonprofit that, quote-unquote, monitors animals in labs, it sort of oversees some labs that register with it, but not every lab in the country. Private labs have no obligation to do so if they're not receiving government money. But it breaks down categories of invasiveness in terms of um, experiments done on animals. And, you know, there, there's a variety of different categories. The, the worst ones are categories D and E. Category D says experiments which cause moderate to severe distress or discomfort. But category E says procedures which cause severe pain near or at the pain tolerance threshold of unanesthetized conscious animals. So that is a type of experiment that happens in this country to animals probably right now behind closed doors. And I don't think that Canadians, when they hear about that, find that it's acceptable. Well, I hope they don't. Anyway, but and again, what we need to see here is some action. I mean, this is a a, a very disturbing report, and and as you say, there's an agency here that uh, that supposedly is looking after this Canadian Council on Animal Care. Uh, but like I said earlier, we were talking about something altogether different with COVID. Uh, the only way that regulations are going to work is if there's first of all inspection and and enforcement, and and I don't see much of that going on in this industry at all. No, no, we, we need all three of those things. We need regulations, we need an inspection, and we need enforcement. And they should be randomized inspections where Canadians can publicly access the information. I mean, Canadians, we like to think that we're, uh, we, can, we can be smug with ourselves sometimes. We look to our neighbors to the south and we think, well, we're a lot better than them when it comes to most things. But when it comes to animals, that's not the case at all. Uh, through the Animal Welfare Act in the States, they've had public inspections of labs for years. And in fact, Americans can look up the results on a website and, and find out exactly what is happening in a lab. And we have nothing even close to that here. When people try to get freedom of information requests for the few provincial inspection reports that do exist, uh, they're denied. And, and the inspectors say, oh, it's just too dangerous to release this information because somebody might go firebomb a lab or kill a researcher. And I think that's a pretty extreme reaction to compassionate people just wanting to see the truth. Exactly. Well, the first step is uh, is conversation and uh, making people aware of it, and I hope we've done that with our conversation uh, today. Camille, thanks as always. Great talking with you again, and hopefully we can get the ball rolling on this. Yeah, thanks so much for raising awareness of it, Bill. It's great to, great to be on the show again. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.